With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And hello out there to all you Brooklyn folk. This is Sam Maxwell, and you are here with the Bedford and Sullivan Podcast, the podcast that keeps you, the audience, active listeners in the Brooklyn Dodgers TV series research process. And uh, that's the most rehearsed part of the show that I'm going to have uh, today. We we are very, very happy to get back on the air with the New York Giants Preservation Society's Gary Mintz. Uh, we, we, of course, are a Brooklyn-focused podcast, but we can't do it without uh, the rivals from uh, Upper Manhattan. And, and without further ado, let me welcome Gary to the program. Gary, it's been a while, but thank you for joining us today. Sam, always a pleasure, and... Uh... Despite the giant Dodger rivalry, there is no animosity here at all. Uh, and same here. And and I figured, you know, we have we have a lot to to discuss in terms of uh, uh, the history. Uh, you know, there's there's really never ending conversation when it comes to everything that has happened uh, prior to us. But unfortunately, we're going to start with some some uh, uh, sadness here. Uh, uh, one of the fellow uh, uh, guest from the podcast, uh, Peter McGowan, the, the former owner of the San Francisco Giants, who also grew up in Upper Manhattan as a Giants fan, um, he has unfortunately passed, and I thought we'd lead with uh, your memories of Peter McGowan. My memories of Peter McGowan, first of all, one of the nicest gentlemen I've ever had to deal with. Um, he was just a wonderful human being. Never uh, wasn't a stuffed shirt. He was a down-to-earth guy. He loved talking baseball with us. Um, the first time I met him, actually, I was at Shea Stadium with my friend Steve. And, you know, most of the uh, fans go up to the guys in the uniforms, but we noticed Peter McGowan was behind the dugout, and then he I guess was heading up the aisle, and we tracked him down and, and spoke to him. He was such a nice guy. Uh, then we got to know him through the Giants. He, of course, um, was the biggest supporter of the, the franchise, being that he grew up as a New York Giant fan, and when his family moved to San Francisco, it was the same year as the uh, the Giants moved to San Francisco. So for him, he was very fortunate. His uh, childhood team was now his adult team. And he, of course, um, saved uh, the Giants from moving from uh, San Francisco in the early 90s. Um, Decorated the ballpark uh, with much memorabilia from the New York days, from the, you know, retired numbers to the flags that uh, wave up up on top of the stadium. Um, he was involved in uh, the formation of the Gotham Club, or if he wasn't uh, directly involved, it was something that he he much admired. He was he was just a, a wonderful guy, and um, he spoke uh, to our group 
at Bergino's uh, baseball clubhouse, you know, for a good good two hours that day. It was an overflow crowd. And his love for baseball and the Giants especially is is uh, sorely missed. I tried to contact him uh, at his home, and they said he was in San Francisco. And then the next day, you know, he he had he had passed away. Um, sorely missed. He, he's mm. going to have a uh, plaque put on the San Francisco uh, Wall of Fame at uh, what's what is now Oracle Park. Later this year it was supposed to be earlier, but you know he he did pass away. But uh, just a tremendous guy. And one last thing I'd like to add: uh, we had AT and T sure. Park out in San Francisco uh, a night to honor the Polo Grounds, and uh, he spoke to the crowd with uh, about five of us on the field with him. And at the end, uh, all I remember was the giant officials asking me to you know, follow them off the field. And Peter McGowan was like, no, follow me. And I was at the crossroads. What do I do? And I was like, you know, he was the big kahuna with the Giants. What's going to happen to me? So I followed him, took us through the dugout, and we went to uh, the Giant clubhouse, and Willie Mays was there waiting for us. So my only regret for Peter McGowan was that by the time they won in 10, 12, and 14, he was – not the main guy in charge, and uh, he really deserved to be because he, he's just a wonderful man. Well, considering, like you said, he was uh, a, a big proponent in keeping the Giants in San Francisco, um, and, and it's just funny the way that all comes back around after, you know, one city loses them, you know, another one, they become so endearing to that city that you can't even imagine them leaving San Francisco. I mean, I, I can't imagine saying the Tampa Bay Giants, but that, that's what we would have if it hadn't been for Peter McGowan. That is absolutely correct. And, you know, me being uh, somebody on the East Coast, that might have been better for my viewing habits. That being said, very unfair <laughs> to uh, the people in San Francisco who now have reaped the rewards. I mean, things aren't the great, that great now, but they have certainly benefited from uh, – what's gone on in the last uh, 10 years. Well, as they say, there can only be darkness with light. Uh, so it, it's, it's a give and take, say la vie, such as life. And, and uh, we, we hope that Peter McGowan is resting easy out there. And um, uh, I I'm, hope he is. I'm, and he sorely missed. Absolutely. And and unfortunately forgotten. we've lost some other, we've all lost some other members of the, the giants family over the last year. Yeah, you know, we well, a couple of years back we lost Monty Irvin, um who was a tremendous human being. Uh of course he was uh one of the first African Americans in baseball to follow Jackie Robinson. Um just just the tremendous, And I, I tremendous. also want to mention I, I, I was gonna I just sorry to cut you off, but I wanted to mention also that I I believe I uh, drive his hometown. If I if I'm correct, uh, Monty Irvin grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. I'm a Lyft uh, driver I, I for think, all those. I think, I, think know. It, I, think an, I think he's an orange. Orange, okay. Orange. orange. I'm going to look that up yeah. right now. I think Larry Doby. Excuse me, Larry Doby, who was the first American League African American player, I believe, grew up in Patterson. And you are completely correct, as I uh, confirm. 
what you just said because I do believe uh, looking that up very recently. But yeah, I, I uh, have a little bit. Uh, I've been driving for all those of you who don't know. I drive a Lyft car, which is a, a rideshare car. The the uh, um, the competition of Uber, who have kind of become the band-aid of rideshare, if you will. And uh, Monty Irvin, I, I see these. I see both Larry Doby and Monty Irvin memorials uh, in their hometowns of of um, Patterson and Orange, respectively. But a little bit of yeah, a, I believe, a Jersey I believe reference, both a Jersey connection. Yeah, I believe both of them are from. I think they're both of those towns are in Essex County. That that's probably why. Because uh, a few years back, right, they they made plaques for. Uh, Yogi Berra, Larry Doby, and uh, Monty Irvin, um, and uh, they're all from the same area in Jersey. And Monty Irvin, it looks like, went to East Orange High School. He was born in Halliburg, Alabama on February 25, 1919, and died January 11, 2016. Um, You know, Sam, on his birthday, I'm sorry, on his birthday, uh, we had a meeting at our new home, Finnerty's, on February 25th to honor his 100th birthday. We had a couple of speakers from the group. Oh, wow. Um, his daughter sent us a letter that, you know, I read out loud, and uh, it was a nice way to honor his 100th birthday, would-be 100th birthday. In 1951, of course, in 1951, he hit 24 home runs and 121 RBIs, and yet that was still only good enough to be third uh, um, in the MVP race. And Roy Campanella took that one home with 11 first-place votes. He got five first-place votes that year uh, behind Stan Usual and Roy Campanella. And, you know, you you really can't bark at those other two names, but um, I'm going back to it right now. Looks like he he was an all-star in 1952, uh, uh, finished 15th in MVP voting in 1953. Uh, He's a Hall of Fame career, uh, no doubt. Yeah, you know, what's mostly said about him is, you know, he just came up a little too late. He would have uh, started a little, you know, if baseball had been integrated, uh, you would have seen him more in his prime but 30, really, he, was uh, age, he was 30 in 1949 when he came up. And think about the players today, you know, they're coming up when they're 21 and 22. Uh, you know, so even if he would have came up at 24, he would have had six years in the in the big leagues. And if you're probably looking at six years in the Negro leagues, I'm sure, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. Well, I'm actually uh, going to check also, that, too, because my guess is – yeah, go ahead. I was going to say um, – our group was invited to uh, to attend his memorial in Orange, um, which was you know, a very uh, big thing there. Uh, they had uh, Jeff Idelson was there, uh, Larry Bear, Bill White, the former Giant, and then most people know him. He's the commissioner also, or the pres- president of the National League, I'm sorry. Uh, most people know him as a Yankee announcer. He was there. Uh, and then... Uh, they dedicated a statue of him in his the Monty Irvin Park, uh, and I was fortunate enough to be asked mm. to speak, uh, and that was a lovely thing. It's a statue that, you know, if it was really much bigger, it would look identical to the ones they have at uh, 
what is now Oracle Park in San Francisco for Mays, McCovey, Cepeda, Marichal, and Gaylord Perry. I am taking a look at the statue right now. It, it is, I, I've certainly passed it uh, before on my, my journeys around Jersey. And interestingly enough also, uh, to go back to what you were saying about the Negro Leagues, he played for the Newark Eagles mostly in the Negro Leagues. Uh, and obviously right. it's, it's a tough thing to keep track of. It's a tough thing to keep track of the, uh, the stats with this, but, you know, you see 351, he, he hit 400 in one year in 1941, according to this, when he was age 22. Um, and, and, again, it, it's hard to know exactly, you know, what stats aren't here, but, but you, you see that he was just, he was a force at the plate for sure. I got to, you know, I, of course, didn't see him. I'm too young. I'm, I'm, only, I'm 50, only 58. I'm 58. It's old now, uh, but my dad always spoke about how graceful a player he was, and he was one of his favorites for sure. And Jersey City, I'm I'm in Hoboken currently, and Jersey City uh, housed the AAA Giants for many years. And in 1949, he had 373 with a 5.19 on base percentage, Gary. That is just that 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 is just something that every you, other you, time you he's see. on base. That that's every wonderful. other batter. Yeah, that's crazy. It's absolutely insane. And and I mean, of course, he only had 266 plate appearances for the Jersey City Giants in 1949. But you know, wh- whatever whatever at bats he was able to get, he obviously made the most of it. It's great, great. You know. When I spoke, I, I had the stats in front of me like you ha- you're looking now, and I spoke about what a wonderful player he was, but judging by all the people who attended his memorial and statue, they really just thought he was an incredible human being, like one of the nicest people. And, you know, based on what I've seen and heard, I, I, I can't disagree with that. Nobody ever said a bad word about and, him. And when... Right, exactly. And when typing in Monty Irving statue, you are one of the first photos to to pop up here, and uh, you're standing next to Mario uh, uh, Aliotto. Aliotto. Is that how you pronounce right. it? Aliotto. Aliotto. Yeah, he's one of yeah, the giant executives um, in San Francisco. Oh, very, very nice. Yeah, it's it's a great, nice suit. <laughs> you wearing oh, a giant tie too. <laughs> <laughs> That was one of that was That's one of my better looking days. <laughs> uh, you're you're always sharp, Gary. Um, yeah, this is. I, I've got to go. I'm going to go take a take a photo soon, as as soon as I possibly can. Uh, it's to, really to nice. It's unfortunate, you know. They they should really. I I you know they're more San Francisco based out there because it's San Francisco, but. That's a that's a stunning statue. And it would look it would look good out in San Francisco, a replica of it, let me tell you. It would. It it's it would be a good idea to to put it somewhere. Obviously they have a lot of statues and, and you know, they they forgot a bullpen. Uh one of the reasons why it is in the classic sense it's on the side of the uh of the the uh foul territory. Um but I do well, believe now talk, that it, there's, it, it there's, would be him. There's talk now. Yeah, there's talk now of uh, maybe changing the dimensions of the park out there and taking away the bullpen, bullpens. But 
Um, you know, hmm. the Giants don't have hitting right now, so uh, I wouldn't be so fast to make any changes, but that's just me. So, you know, we, we obviously are a, a historical podcast, but we, we do like to talk about the legacy. So what is going on with the San Francisco Giants right now? Uh, I actually think their new GM uh, is going to do a, a very good job. He, of course, is, came from the Dodgers. Um, they have a lot of older players with, with high salaries that are going to be hard to move. And as a Giant fan, it's very hard to watch. That being said, I want these guys to uh, do well in the hopes that we could trade them. These three World Series wins have changed my whole outlook on baseball. I used to, I used to really want guys on the team and now it's like you know thank you and you know thanks for helping us win and you know if need be goodbye um i waited 41 years for a world championship never thought i'd see one lucky enough i've seen three from 2010 12 and 14 so uh i think this guy is going to sort out what what what's there now high highly paid players who are not really producing, try to trade them, and build up the farm se- uh, farm teams. And I actually think if if you're patient enough, I think it'll pay off. So uh, speaking of which, I mean, it's crazy that they won so many within a span of, of basically six seasons, I, I believe. and uh, Or five Exactly, seasons, exactly. three, and, three um, and five years. Right. Three and five years, and now it's been yeah. five years since the last world championship. So, we're, we're, are you still spoiled with, from it? <laughs> uh, I take the losing a lot easier. That does not mean I've lost right. one iota of my fandom. It's just, um, you know, the last the last game I went to, not the last game, the last really good game I went to was actually the Mets-Giants playoff game at City Field when oh. Syndergaard uh, Thanks. Thanks uh, pitched against Bumgarner. <laughs> the Giants Giants were nice enough to send me tickets, which Stacy Slaughter, thank you, to this day. Um, they sent there me tickets, mm-hmm. and that was the most riveting baseball game I ever went to. I mean, it was 0-0, you know, and then you know, Gillespie hit a home run, and then when he hit the home run – there was deafening silence. Uh, that was a wonderful game, and then they fell apart against the Cubs. And since then, no good. You know, when the Giants were winning, they they had incredible pitching. They really did. Uh, now they have their pitching is is okay. I think it's actually getting a little better. Uh, but they 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 have they have not scored a run in the first inning in any game this year. You're always behind wow. it's it's very hard to play catch up baseball when you don't have the ability to hit a home run the giants don't have any power hitters every team every all you hear is a launch angle and distance and i frankly i don't give a rat's you know what about any of that stuff i know what a good ball player is <laughs> all i care about is the ball going over the fence i don't really care how far or how fast that that's just me I mean, you know i know this term old school I mean, maybe that defines me, but 
I, I really I think I know what a good baseball player is, and I think I know a p- player who's, you know, uh, on the way out or, or, or you know, getting worse. The stats stats are wonderful, but they're also some of them to me are very meaningless. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the whole launch angle thing either. I mean, I go pretty old school for a for a relatively at this point. I'm I'm gaining up in years as as we all are at every moment of the day. But I, I trade I, you. I tend to I tend to get I tend to get a little bit uh you know, uh get off my lawn about some of these things that they're trying to implement. And and I also think like if, if we're about to go on a rant about it, I think some of these, like, you look at what Rob Manfred's trying to do to save time, it's saving the most minuscule of time while all the replays and the way that that they go about doing the replays add five minutes to the game every single night because these guys take forever. What, What is so wrong with putting a fifth umpire up there and and what why why do we have to see this this archaic box? I like to call it the dude's phone that the guy with the headphones comes out with. If anybody's out there has ever seen the Big Lebowski, the dude is carrying around an early cell phone that has that that's giant on his shoulder, and that's basically what these guys go out with. And 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 you could have a fifth umpire just go, you got here, take a look at it, at it on an iPad. What is so you, wrong with looking at it on an iPad? I totally agree. You pay the extra guy. He's at the park already. He, the umps don't even have to call up to him. He calls down to them. He's watching the game. I, I don't. I don't get it. Exactly. While you're on your thirty seconds. And while you're on your rampage, if any player now retires and goes directly into the booth, when is this going to stop? I mean, it's enough. I thought people go to college to learn how to be announcers. They they take any guy now who retires, and he goes right to the booth. It's like they have a second chance where people like you and I, once we're done with our career, we are done. Just right. just me, uh, you just know, me talking. I'll tell you somebody who I think could segue directly into the booth, and I don't know whether he wants to do this, but I think Curtis Granderson would be a great color commentary guy to just segue on in when he's done. And I, I, I don't uh, even know. I'm kind of right. curious you're, as to. I'm... You're probably right about him. The other day I'm watching the Giants are being no hit by Colorado, okay? And Eric Burns is on MLB telling, looking at the, the TV, telling us that if you're a Giant fan, you're rooting for him to throw a no hitter. No, I'm not, because then i got to hear the news all day about how bad the Giants are. I don't want to hear that. And then yes. he tells me after yes. after 12 innings, he's bored and he's in the entertainment business, and each team should have the bases loaded with no outs after the 12th inning. Uh, what is that? This is a guy I want to listen to. That Click. is just, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear that. What what kind of, what kind of, of baseball is that when you when you're putting somebody on second to to speed up the it, game it's, that it's way? Video baseball. That is not the way. Not to the do way it. the game to play. That's all. And so I'm, I'm little, looking at it. He's he's not at. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, that stuff like that makes me, you know, it makes me not like the game. And I love the game, and right. I want to continue loving the game. But when guys like him start talking, uh, I, I got to change the channel. And that's my prerogative. What was the I don't name know. of the person you're talking about? What was the name Eric of the Burns, person you're talking about? Eric Burns, you know, about? Eric Burns, yeah, he's yeah. an outfielder. 
you know, a, a top mm-hmm. outfielder who would, you know, run through a wall. But uh. yeah, no, I, I I hear you on that. Um, I'm trying to think. I and speaking of which, I can completely relate to you, uh, considering that the Giants threw a no hitter within the last. Uh, uh, three to five years. I, I forget whether was that 2015. It was 2016 or 2015. Pro, I think it was Lincecum through the last one, and that's when Lincecum was. No, it was you some know, random name. Up. It was some random name. Oh, that's right. The guy against the Mets. I apologize. It was. Uh, it was against yeah, the no, Mets. Okay. Uh, I th- exactly. Giants, not on the Giants. Mets, Mets, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like as a Mets fan. You're right. I but forgot his name. That's correct. Uh, that's correct. I don't think he's on any. In the minors somewhere, maybe. The last time I heard, he was on oh, Seattle. Oh, it's the Dallas Braden effect. <laughs> he threw right. one. Uh, he, exactly. he threw an, so, was his on uh, Mother's Day, right? Dallas uh, Braden. D- uh, Dallas Braden's was on was on Mother's Day for the and and Eight. with his grandma in attendance. I believe. I believe if I'm if I remember correctly, he. He uh, was um, motherless, and I didn't and know that it was a big deal. He was raised by he was raised by his grandmother, uh, and uh, I will briefly. Obviously, we're kind of we're, we're only going across the bay right now uh, uh, talking about it, but I believe that's one of the, one of the reasons why it was uh, quite the the fitting way for. Yeah, who, uh, Peggy Lindsay, who raised him after his mother died of cancer when he was in high school. On Very Mother's nice. Day. The reason I, I mean, remember like, is because it, that's... all those years, all you ever heard was perfect game, Jim Bunning against the Mets on Father's Day. So this was the sister now mm-hmm. with Mother's Day. So that's why I remember when well, Dallas Brayden threw the no-hitter. And to tie, it, to tie it back around to the mystique of baseball and and – you know, uh, it's, I'm, I'm going to tangent a little bit, but this is one of the things that Rob Manfred needs to remember is that you've got to keep the fans you already have to, to make new fans. If, if, if what you're trying to do here is, is get with the, you know, the, the youth doesn't like baseball or whatever, and that the majority of the fans are, are white and above 50, uh, you have to remember that they still – same thing with Star Wars. I told you I was going to tangent a little bit. You have to remember that they're the ones who have built you up. That's and correct. you can't lose them. Otherwise, you don't have a, any fans at all. And, and going uh, to why I, I, I believe in the mystique of baseball and why I believe in, in kind of the, the outside world, the world that we cannot see, um, with the, the only Mets no-hitter in history, Johan Santana, one of my favorite Mets of all time, um, if not my all-time favorite Met, just because of the, the memory he gave me and the heart that he put into the team. Um, Gary, Gary Carter had died that year, and the final score was 8 nothing. And who, what fan runs out onto the ball, the ball field? but somebody in a Gary Carter jersey, and all of a sudden there's Gary Carter somewhat, even though he gets thrown onto the floor by the security, there's Gary Carter celebrating with an 8 nothing victory. Um, and and I, think, I think they even had eight, uh, eight hits, if I am not mistaken, as I look up. And that, of course, hitter. was his jersey that's, number. That's, 
Right, exactly, and and that's that's why it's it's hard for me. And, and thank you, because I hadn't mentioned it. I I did need to. That, that was a detail that that was missing for our our fans out there. And it's it's clearly there, there's just something about it. If you want to wrap up with what what you think about about how it keeps you connected to to those to the spirits, if if you believe in that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Baseball, you know, everything I learned from baseball was from my father. And, you know, his love of the game got me into it. I mean, he would, every morning I'd get up and, hey, did the Giants win? I was, you know, eight eight years old. And he would always say that's where the polo grounds were. And uh, I didn't know, nor did I really care. And then as I got older, I cared. Um, I remember our first game together. Exactly. We saw, we saw uh, the Giants were playing the Mets. Gary Gentry throws 10 innings of shutout baseball. Juan Marichal, 13 innings. Bottom of the 14th inning, Tommy Agee's up. My father would not take me to the bathroom, so my older brother had to take me. And while we're in the stall, we hear the roar, and we grabs my arm. We run out. Tommy Agee's running around third. Home run, Giants lose one nothing. That was my first game, 1969. Uh, and what a year that was for the Mets. And, and to wrap up what we're talking about, they did have eight hits in that ball game. So you had eight runs, eight hits, and Barry Carter in a number eight jersey was celebrating on the field the year he passed. Uh, it, I, I just can't help but think that, that he willed the Mets to – their first no-hitter and were, were, and willed Johan Santana, who had gone through so much personally when it comes to injuries, uh, right. to the best pitched, arguably the best pitch game of his career because he did have he did have some walks in that game and he might have been sharper in some some other games, but he he collected the first Mets no-hitter of all time. Um, Gary, we're we're uh, coming to the end of the show and uh, some of you listening live are going to lose us. Uh, in about 15 seconds, but um, we, we will we will carry over for a for a hot second into the archive version. And uh, so, thank you guys for listening to whoever's listening live. I don't believe it will work out afterwards. But um, Gary, for the last word, it's, which is what I always like to have with these podcasts, the last word. Uh, if you, if there's anything specifically that you wanted to 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 touch on that we haven't yet regarding uh, Giants and their history. Absolutely. But I want to—I know what a big Met fan you are, Sam. My favorite, most underrated Met of all time, Jerry Kuzman. Thought he was a fabulous pitcher. Yeah. I really did. <laughs> he was great, and I loved watching him pitch. And I remember one year when they were really bad. I think he was like three and fifteen, and his ERA was like maybe three. You know, now if your ERA is under four fifty, you're considered good. I mean, the game really has changed. Uh, what I wanted to add was I I am going up to Cooperstown the end of May to represent our group. I've been asked to speak um, by the Cooperstown Symposium on Baseball, and I sent in an abstract that was accepted regarding how how to keep a uh, a franchise alive, you know, a team alive that you know is actually no longer playing baseball, and uh, I am very much looking forward to it. It's something that I love, and uh, I love running this organization. It's a lot of work, uh, but I really enjoy it, and I enjoy. That's how I met you. 
you know, you're a great guy, and anything yeah. I could do to help you get where you got to go, I will do that. Thank you, Gary. And if you could uh, tell our, our listeners and myself what that date was again. Uh, it is uh, May 29th to May 31st. I am still awaiting the exact day when I am speaking. I am a teacher, so I can't really go up there for the three days. I want to. Hopefully, it's going to be May 30th, and I'll come back May 31st. You know, at nighttime. That's that's my goal. If they can swing that for me. But it really is. An well, I'm marketing it down yeah. into my calendars. Yeah, I'm going to mark it into my my calendars. Uh, my calendar right now. Excuse me. Um, just to make sure I that if I am able before. to go, I, I would. I spoke there once before. Uh, you know, I'm a social studies teacher, and I write baseball trials, mock trials, and I have done six on baseball. So three years ago, I submitted that abstract. They accepted me. And one thing, Sam, that I know you would love, the Thursday nights that they're there, uh, when the hall closes, they have dinner for you in the plaque room where all the plaques are. Hmm. And it's oh just, it's, God, just wow. it's it's a great it's a great feeling you know you're there alone with the other people eating and you're sitting in you know hallowed ground so to speak. And uh, you know I think a, a good amount of our listeners have either been there or or already have uh, uh, set up to go. But I, I just have to say for anybody listening out there who's as into baseball history as Gary and I am, you've got to go not just because of the museum. But the town is just spectacular. I'm lucky enough that my mother has a house uh, somewhere upstate, and it's only about two hours through the back roads. And so I've been able to travel from the back roads all the way to Cooperstown, which is just such a magnificent drive, too. New York State is so beautiful. And I advise anybody who, who can make it here, go up there. Sam, one traffic light in town, right? One traffic light in town, and, and I think the Cooperstown <laughs> Diner, it, 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 it is, is just to die for, just one of those classic coffee shops. Everybody's got a chan- uh, got to get a chance to go. Um, and, and, and also, you know, it, of course, it's, it must be really uh, buzzing when you go in the middle of the summer. Uh, there's, there must be so many people. But there's something about the quietness when you go on a random Absolutely. day in December, Gary. That's what, you it's know, it, it's, when I'm going when I'm going in May, it's, you know, after that week, it's probably, you know, Memorial Day. It's right after Memorial Day. It's going to start getting crowded. Um, I am also going up with some friends for the induction weekend in July, you know, and it's going to be, you know, Mariano Rivera is getting put in. So there's going to be a lot of people making the trek up, you know. And I'm sure where your your relatives live, you probably go through Roscoe and, you know, probably a great it's a great ride it really is and let me just also uh, finish bringing it back to the dodgers hopefully next year we're going to be celebrating gil hodges being put into the hall of fame on on july of 2020 uh let me tell you something i I can't reiterate Um, enough yes one of my trials uh was about hodges getting in I wrote two I wrote two baseball trials regarding the Brooklyn Dodgers. One was Gil Hodges uh it was a debate about whether he should get in and not get in. The judges ruled that he should get in. 
The other was the borough of Brooklyn was actually suing the Dodgers for leaving Brooklyn. So those two I wrote. I wrote one about uh, Josh Prager's book, Echoing Green, about the Marichal Roseboro. There's another Dodger incident with the bat. Uh, 1919, we revisited the Black Sox scandal. And the sixth one I did was uh, about Horace Stoneham getting into the Hall of Fame. You know, everybody thought he was this drunk guy, but he actually did as much for baseball, if not more, than uh, Walter O'Malley did. And O'Malley is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and and O'Malley uh, and, and much Hurst, O'Malley Hurst is much more is not right, right, and O'Malley is much more vilified uh, than Stoneham. Most mm-hmm. Giant fans accepted the fact that the stadium was in a bad area and the stadium was going bad. Right, but Horace Stoneham set up baseball in Arizona, went to California, uh, was instrumental in getting Latinos into the game, uh, Asians into the game, as well as blacks into the game. So. The stuff that said bad about him, it could be very much counteracted with a lot of the things he did. He did well. I think a lot of people more or less look well, at I'm, how that he drank a lot. Yeah, you know, they, they, everybody likes to hone in on these one-dimensional elements of people. That that is something that that I mean, you, you know, you get Carl Erskine on here, and he has nothing but glowing things to say about Walter O'Malley and the way Walter O'Malley treated his son with the uh, down syndrome condition. So, you know, right. you got to get the, the you got to get the full picture. The bottom line is that's one of the the reasons why um when developing this piece, uh, you know, on my better days when I'm doing it, um I I'm trying to not necessarily peg Walter O'Malley directly as the villain. Um right. because I think Robert it sounds like it still sounds like for everybody that Robert Moses can really be that over over the the overarching campaign of the entire series. Of course. Well, the funny thing is, is that where the the Barclays Center is where O'Malley wanted the stadium, and Moses wouldn't allow it. Right. Mm-hmm. So. That's right. Although there is some there is some middle some weird middle room, you know, in terms of that, considering that Walter O'Malley could have figured out a way, like Charlie Evans did with Evans Field to buy the land from the proprietors who owned it, Robert Moses just didn't want to give it away as eminent domain. The entire, but, but like, you know, I, I'm not a businessman. And who's to say that everything regarding business is, is, is evil, quote unquote. You know right, what I mean? Right. So yep. I, I, there, there's a lot of places to, to look and there's a lot of different, elements to to judge like you like you said with these judgment calls that your students make it's um right. it's it's very it's very interesting to to take a look and it's one of the reasons why i want to make this this series is to to explore it on a dramatic level as best as possible absolutely you're doing a great job listen if you have a need thank I, you gary I and friend. i appreciate <laughs> Uh, my my ex principal's uh, husband, huge Brooklyn Dodger fan. He's been on shows talking and stuff. If you ever need to speak to another guy, keep keep that in mind. Sure, let's let's connect about that after the uh, the podcast. And um, you know, as always, Gary, I appreciate you joining us. I'm glad to get the wheel rolling for the 2019 campaign with you. 
you know, it, it's been a while since I was on the air, so I appreciate you you joining me today. Thank you. Sam, anytime and any place. All right, man. You be well. You as well. And thank you all to uh, listening today and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Take care. Thanks you for can. joining the Bedford Sullivan Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.